Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, I would love to keep this podcast relatively sponsor-free, and to do that, I need your support through Patreon. You can visit the support tab on my website to learn more about that. Your contributions through Patreon will keep the Life Enchanted content flowing and will also help me dedicate more time to expanding the content, i.e. the blog and newsletter and whatnot. But most importantly, a portion of every cent that comes through Patreon and my online store will be donated to Metro World Child. You can find out more about them through my website on that support tab. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for this episode is speaker, pastor, and author of six best-selling books, Mr. Rick McDaniel. Rick is the founder and senior pastor of Richmond Community Church in Richmond, Virginia. He is a regular contributor to foxnews.com, and he was a ton of fun to talk to. In this episode, we talk about football, we talk about his new book, we talk about personal style, personality characteristics, faith, and a lot more. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this, so without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mr. Rick McDaniel. All right, Rick, welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, man. Thank you for being here. Great to be with you today, Nick. So I thought a good place for us to start would be with football because A, this is America, and B, (laughs) (laughs) football has been a constant theme in your life. You were an athlete. Both your sons played college football. Uh, You did some work with Sam Rutigliano, and I believe there's even some D. Bartolo blood running through those veins of yours. Yes, there is. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Wow, you've done your research. Yes, yes, I try to. So my, my first question for you is, is how does playing and learning the game of football translate to living a godly life? Well, I think that football teaches you some of the most fantastic lessons that are so translatable. One would be self-discipline. It takes a lot of self-discipline to do the training, the weightlifting, the conditioning necessary for uh, success in, in football. And 
you need self-discipline to be successful as a follower of Christ. Another mm-hmm. would be teamwork, the idea of working together with people toward a common goal. And we are, uh, you know, the body of Christ, the family of God. So we need to learn how to get along with folks that are different than us, whether that's different backgrounds, different personalities, racially, ethnically, whatever it might be, helping us come together. Great lessons that uh, football certainly taught me. And in the end, you know, we are uh, we are working toward a victory, and that is to, to to help people to come to know Christ and grow in Christ and to defeat the forces of evil and the enemy mm. that are all around us. And football is certainly all about winning and doing what it takes to be successful and victorious. Yeah. Those are some thoughts. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The self-discipline portion, what what aspects of self-discipline are are really important in the believer's life that really enhance the relationship with God? I just think there are certain habits that you just have to have. We'll go back to football, the fundamentals of football. You know, Vince Lombardi, hey, gentlemen, this is a football. Blocking and tackling. You can never get away from blocking and tackling in football, and you can never get away from things like reading the Bible, praying, regular church attendance, serving these things are just absolutely basic to to what it means to to be a follower of Christ and to be in his church and so you learn those sort of repetitive things in football you know doing the Oklahoma drill are you mm-hmm. kidding me I've been doing this since a little kid but this is you know th- these are the things that you do and you do them in football you do them in uh, what it means to follow Christ and they work. Yeah, they absolutely work. Those things, if you do them, you will stay close to, to, to the Lord. You will stay in community with fellow believers. You will stay away from harmful things that can get you off of, of God's best for your life. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. Good old Oklahoma drill. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I unfortunately have uh, some concussions, I think, from that drill, but it was awesome. <laughs> so I love what you said about just like teamwork and and finding your identity and embracing your identity on the team and kind of your personal role um, and embracing it in humility, honestly, and not trying to fill other people's shoes, I think is super important. And, and yes, contributing, it is. Everyone has a role. Yes, and contributing to the greater good. And, and with that personal role, uh, I'm sure that that correlates with something that you've, you've written about recently in your new book titled You Got Style, and that is your personal style. Um, and I, and I want to ask you, how is my personal style or someone's personal style different than someone's just personality in general? Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. Uh, personality is really uh, one set aspect of who you are. You know, this is your, whether you do the disc profile, you know, Myers-Briggs, whatever you want to talk about. So that is just like a, a monolith, you know, a single, a single definition of who you are. Styles are what style you are in different aspects of your life and even in different situations in life, like leadership, for instance, where you may have to shift styles for a particular season in your organization or team or church. So styles impact uh, things like decisions and time and spiritual, how you connect with God and even things like how you think 
how you would envision retirement someday, mm. those things are more specific yeah. than, say, just an overall general understanding of yourself and how you're wired up. Mm, that's good. So so personality is maybe just a little bit more meta, just kind of a umbrella, mm-hmm. and then style gets to the really idiosyncratic habits yeah. and, and desires and whatnot. That's good. What do you, Are you a fan of the Enneagram? I am uh, I, I am a fan of it. Yes, uh, I I think it's again. I think it's another helpful tool, like other tools that I would put into that bucket of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's another great tool. Yeah, but just diving deeper is what we're really mm-hmm. trying to get at here. And so how can we start to take inventory of our personal styles? Well, you know, this is a shameless pitch at this point, but, you know, you have, you have to really dig into to the book. You know, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. in the book, I just have all kinds, 12 different styles, uh, financial, spiritual, parenting, decision, work learning, thinking, faith, you know, just, and then I end it with really the Jesus style. What were the the style? What was the Jesus style, which is fascinating in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But so you just have to really, you know, there's an inventory at the end of each chapter to help you kind of define it, but you just got to dig in and say, okay, you know, how am I in these various uh, aspects of uh, my life and, and learning about that and learning about that for yourself. And then as you relate to other people is super helpful. Mm, mm. So do you suggest, I mean, reading the book obviously would be super helpful, but someone just kind of thinking about their life right now that wants to start kind of just taking note of their personal styles. You, you maybe suggest just looking at those 12 arenas and maybe jotting down a list of, is it preferences? Is that a good, is that a good, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I think it's more than preferences. Mm. I think that, you know, I, I labored a lot over, you know, the terminology and believe me in talking with publishers, you know, they, we had some interesting conversations about, about exactly the things you're talking about, personality, preferences, but I think style is unique. And, And I think I've stumbled onto something here that is, you know, there's just, that I'm aware of no other book that's ever been written. And that's amazing with all the books that have been written that get into these unique styles. How about let me just take a moment and tell you how I came to this. Mm-hmm, Would please, that be good? Please. So it all started when I wanted to help families, marriages, especially in my church, because the number one thing that married couples fight about is money. And so I started doing some research and I came across some research that was about financial personalities seven financial personalities. And I didn't like the idea of calling financial the way you you relate to money personality. And that's when I first coined the the style term. Mm. And then over a period of time, when I was doing some more uh, message series in my church, I did one on decisions. And I realized that people have different decision styles and then time. And and I came across some research about how people have different styles and time. And so then at that point, I was just like so aware of this idea of style and styles and kind of almost looking 
for it. And then I'll give you another. I'm, I'm, I'm reading, come across this book by a Harvard neuroscientist on what he calls cognitive modes, that there are four cognitive modes. And that sounds exactly how a neuroscientist would talk about it. But for me, it's really thinking styles. And so I just began to develop sometimes a term like pathways can be used. Mm. Gary Thomas uses this terminology, spiritual pathways. Okay. Nothing wrong with that, but again, you know, how you get to God, connect to God. But I think that style is a great overarching term, a more generic term, if you would, that can then be applied in all of these different areas of life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So reverting back to uh, the biggest issue in marriages typically being <clears throat> financial, um, and I'm sure, like you said, you've done a lot of research, and I'm sure you've counseled a lot of of couples at your church yes. and whatnot in this arena. So sure. hypothetically, let's say that my wife and I have different financial styles. <laughs> <laughs> what? How do you work through that with couples when you have one with one style and then the other one with the other? opposite style kind of how do you help couples kind of work through that and understand each other and, and come to a place of agreement so whenever there's conflict that the most helpful thing to do is to put yourself in somebody else's shoes to mm. try to see things from their perspective we could we could do well to do this in this country right now in a many aspects <laughs> amen so when you talk about this is what is so helpful so each of you could could read the, about the seven different styles and then determine which one of those is your financial style. And then just sitting down and saying, okay, this is me, like read it out, you know, or just summarize it. This is how I, this is how I relate to money. And then the other person says, you know, this is how I relate to money. And then when you see, and almost invariably, Nick, it's not going to be the same style, mm -hmm. almost invariably mm -hmm. a married couple have a different financial style. So then just being able to say, okay, so the next time we make a decision about money or the next time we discuss money, we need to understand that you know, I'm a hunter and my motto is nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'm aggressive with money. I want to, I want to, I want to optimize my financial resources. I want to make more money and I want to be able to spend money. That's me. And, you know, you, on the other hand, your financial style, you're, you're, a, you're a nester. Happiness mm. is just having enough to get by. You know, I'm, I'm not into money. You know, I'm, it doesn't really, it just sort of meets needs. I don't see it as more than that. Now, you, you see how different those two yeah. styles are. Yeah. And so, again, then you have to be able to talk about, okay, so then what are we going to do about, say, should we invest some money here? I think we should because I don't, you know, but, but why do that? Why not just, and try to, again, have each person try to understand why they see it this way. And hopefully through that process of discussion, you can come at least to some kind of understanding. And like so much of marriage, and I've been married a, a long time, so I, I know a lot about it. Mm. It comes down to compromise. Mm -hmm. 
which mm-hmm. may mean something like this time we're going to go and do it your way, but the next time we're going to do it my way. Yeah. You know, the next time we're going to, we're, we're not going to spend the money and this time we are going to spend the money, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the, whatever the case may be. So it's just, uh, it, it's just a matter of, but it, but the key is to understand there's just so it's just so helpful with couples when they go oh yeah that's me that's exactly how i am or this other spouse would be like oh that's exactly how you are about money oh yeah, yeah. this is exactly how you are and now yeah. we now know why we have conflict because we're you know we're not the same mm-hmm. we're not the same and this is this is really and some of these are to a certain degree gender related because yeah. uh for for instance the 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 protector style protectors are primarily women they mm. very few men fit that uh category and is that the saver as well as the protector the saver and the planner well, the, the you're, I'm, those are not terms that I would use in my styles, but you know, so it might be a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Planner is something actually in the in the time in the time part of it. So you you, you sort of have to stick with with the, my terms just to make Got it easier you. to understand. But I know what you mean when you say saver. Obviously, you're talking about people who yes have uh, who would prefer to save money rather than to, uh, for instance, one of the styles is splurger. You know, it's the opposite of saver. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of mm-hmm. person and that 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 likes to, to to spend so when you find people that are are um, different in their financial styles it's just super helpful just to get a baseline understanding because every decision going forward now you know where each of you are coming from mm. you know yeah yeah you, you 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 know it and man that's knowledge is power you know that is so helpful i think something that's overlooked is having that intentional discussion about each other's styles instead of just like getting married and kind of working through it and arguing about it every other month Mm -hmm. or whatever it is it's actually having the intention all right babe let's sit down and maybe let's get out a piece of paper let's list out your bents towards money let's list out my bents towards money let's work through all of g all of these so we can be empathetic towards one another and then i i guarantee doing that i mean i'm kind of speaking to myself here after that would the the future arguments would look a whole lot different because we all know that if if one person wins an argument in marriage then the marriage loses right yes. so, so right yeah i think what you'll find is that you won't really you won't have arguments anymore about money what mm. you'll have is discussions yeah have discussions. that's good again like my inventory at the end of the chapter just let each person take that inventory and, mm-hmm. and you just read through those questions and you see oh yeah that's definitely not me oh, no that's not me at all oh that mm-hmm. is me and yeah, that's definitely me oh yeah that's me and just having that you know like then you can just talk about things in a way that is different because it's informed yeah that's good that's good what are the different styles with within faith well um um and i don't know how loaded that is if that's completely loaded forgive me no it's not loaded at all i need to just define real quickly Mm -hmm. when in what i think what you're asking is what i would call spiritual styles Mm -hmm. there's there are different styles how people connect to god that is a a spiritual style. Now, in my chapter on faith styles, I am talking about specifically how people 
share their faith. Hmm. So those are different, how you share your faith, six different styles for sharing your faith. But in, but just for instance, in spiritual styles, just to, to, to talk about a few, one would be the naturalist. This is the person that essentially, you know, connects to God through nature. That's me. The, yeah, that's powerful, man. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I am a big, like, go to the national parks. I love that sort of stuff, although I'm not a naturalist. I certainly, <laughs> man, I certainly love going, and I was not far from Yosemite a couple years ago. It was, was such an awesome experience. Breathtaking. So many beautiful places. Intellectual would be another style. So these are mm. people who enjoy studying and reading apologetics, and this is how they really connect with God, the contemplative discipline course is a historic historical style this is the contemplatives have been you know in the church for mm. for years saint john of the cross Teresa yep. of avila brother lawrence all these yes. people that were very contemplative in in their in in their uh, spiritual style so you can see how different people uh you know, do it now. There's there is a style that is interesting because it's slightly different than the uh, naturalist, and that's the sensei. These are people that connect with God through beauty and awe-inspiring, say, sensory experiences. But not just natural. These things could be even art, you know, mm. religious art or mm. uh, architecture, things like this. I've had a chance to to be in some of these incredible churches in Europe and other places. They're fantastic. The enthusiast, this is your person who would be like, I'm going to get my praise on, you know? Mm-hmm. They're really into the praise and worship music and man, when they, they just totally just feel like they are in the presence of God and connect with God through that way. And again, the chapter lists out the various different spiritual styles that people have with some examples of, of, you know, different folks, people who are compassionate. So these are people that really want to help those in need. And when they help those in material need, they feel closest to God. Mm, That's good. I, as you're, as you're saying these things, I relate to a lot of them. So I'm assuming it's possible to, to have multiple of these styles because the contemplative prayer and tradition I'm all about and love. I'm big into all those names that you mentioned and, and Richard Rohr, um, and Anthony DeMello and a lot of these priests. Um, but I'm also a naturalist and I'm also the, the sensory stuff is, is huge for me. And those three are, are pretty closely uh, related in in my mind, just like the okay. yeah the contemplation and and just the wonder and the awe and the beauty and the just I call it creation admiration is really yeah, what it comes good. down to, which I love. So it's it's possible to have multiple of of these. I, I think so. I think there always is a primary style. Yeah. That again, that doesn't mean again hundred to zero. It may it may mean that it is. 50 and the other two are 25 or 30 mm-hmm. and 20 percent you know if we just try to totally. pragmatically break these things out but i but but certainly there are ways where where you will uh connect and then sometimes there is like leadership for instance where you maybe have to you have your primary style but you maybe have to shift in a crisis and function in a different style for a particular season mm, yeah is is someone's personal style, is that natural and innate to that person or is it learned or is that a false dichotomy there? Well, it is primarily natural or innate, mm-hmm. primarily. 
Um, but certainly there are times where the way in which you um, interact in life or seasons of life or circumstances will have an impact on that. But, you know, if you, if you just, if you just look at a number of these styles, they're primarily innate. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and even one, even one like parenting, for instance, even if you kind of objectively try to read and determine what is the best way to raise children, there's still going to be a bent that you have in a particular way that someone who doesn't have that bent would never even consider, say, raising their kids in, in that particular style yeah. or do it in that with, with that style. Yeah, so yeah. Primarily innate. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, as far as like the learning, I think it, it is totally innate. And then the learning may be just the verbiage and the language you have to describe what is already innate in you. So it can be learned in a way, but you're just learning how to communicate it because I've always That's had that. Good. Yes. Yeah. I've always That's had good. that sense of wonder and stuff like that, but I never knew it was contemplation or, you mm-hmm. know, the, the mystic tradition and all that stuff. Right. So that's helpful. Yes. So you mentioned Jesus's styles. And I mean, as believers, that's, that's what we're, you know, trying and striving to emulate is the life of Jesus. Can you talk to us about some of Jesus's styles and, and what they look like integrated into our 21st century lives? Well, when you talk about the styles of Jesus, you know, the, this, of course, is enormously significant. And, and I, I'll just go through, through them just real quick, just overall. So Jesus, the shepherd style, that's, you know, clear in the Bible. Jesus refers to himself as, as the good shepherd and, and, and us as sheep, by the way. So that is very in, insightful to understand. Jesus teach as style as teacher the mm-hmm. fact that he taught and the way that he taught and, and the, the style that he used in teaching that was so effective, the, the, primarily through parables. Jesus' style as fr- friend, his style that, that he uh, approaches us. He says, I don't speak to his servants in John 15. I speak to his friends, which is mm. a remarkable thought to even consider yeah. uh, that God would relate to us in that way. The servant style of Jesus um, and and what that says to us about our where Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve in, in Matthew it tells us that and then finally the Savior style that that First John tells us God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world you know that that's that was the purpose and, and here we are going to be celebrating or are celebrating or have celebrated Christmas in this Christmas season we are celebrating that Jesus came to Earth. But he came for a very particular purpose, and that was to be the savior of the world. Mm-hmm. So those are the five styles of Jesus, or the Jesus style, as I call it. And and boy, you can really understand Jesus well if you understand those five styles. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that we are, because I mean, teaching, for instance, not everyone, well, how would you look at someone who is not a because I am an, a literal teacher I'm a high school teacher so I can see that how that applies to my life but how would you uh, see that translate to someone who doesn't teach and doesn't see that applicable to their life 
Well, again, you know, things like servant, uh, you know, easy to understand, but savior, I mean, there, we're, there's only one savior. We yeah. can't all be a savior. So, mm. so we have to be careful, you know, to take these and say, okay, what does this say uh, about me or what it is? I think it would be best to simply understand this aspect of of Jesus. Jesus was someone who was a master communicator, and we all communicate. We don't all necessarily have the the, the label of teacher, but we all communicate, yes? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And so how can we be effective in communicating? Mm. I think we all know that there has been ineffective communication done, especially as it relates to the Christian faith, and that has created damage. Yeah. And that has caused people to not connect with Jesus. So talking in ways that people can actually understand the diversity of the way in which Jesus talked, the Mm -hmm. questions, 153 distinct questions that Jesus asked, you know, like... Is that that the number? 153? 153. So what does that say about communication? Mm. You know, that asking questions and then listening, yeah. being a listener. You Not everyone is a teacher. Everyone can be a listener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think stories as well is a huge part of course, Of course, parables, right? the stories. The yes, and stories. We, all, we all have a story, and we can teach people through our stories and our experiences. And I think, yeah, man, that's so good. Right on. Rick, this has been wonderful, man. Thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Well, rickmcdaniel.com. That's easy. Just sweet. www.rickmcdaniel.com. And, and there you can find out, you know, I, I have uh, my broadcast where my message is, High Impact Living, it's called. They can watch or listen to those. I have a podcast called Point of Impact. They can listen to that. I write uh, articles uh, all, a lot, quite a bit, and they can read articles. In fact, when you were talking about awe, I wrote an article about awe, about experiencing awe after I went to Yosemite and uh, mm. was published in Fox News. So they can find all that stuff. I have a weekly devotional that comes out every Wednesday. If you could sign up for that right on the website and receive a, a weekly devotional. And obviously, the book is there. You can get a signed copy of the book and and um, purchase it there. You can certainly purchase it Barnes and Noble, Amazon, wherever you want. Uh, but it's available. Yeah, hardcover, softcover, uh, ebook, audiobook, the whole the whole suit and match. Awesome, man. Cool. I'll put links to a lot of those in the show notes as well for people to check out. Easy access. I appreciate you doing this, man. Yes, I've enjoyed talking with you. All right, guys. Later. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to CapitalFloats.com and use the promo code Life Enchanted with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at 
my life enchanted. Peace.